This is an AMI podcast. I want to acknowledge that this podcast was produced and hosted on the unceded ancestral and traditional lands of the Squamish, Musqueam, and Tsleil-Waututh First Peoples. This will always be First Nations land. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Accessing Art with Amy. I'm your host, Amy Amanti. My pronouns are she, her. Today, we talk all about clay. I have not much worked with this medium, uh, to be honest. So I'm eager to chat with Janelle Shaw, who, like many artists, use their chosen medium as both a creative outlet, but also values its healing qualities and its ability to soothe the soul during times of strife. As we will learn today, Janelle loves to gift her pottery, which in and of itself helps to spread and receive joy. So please join me in welcoming Janelle Shaw all the way from Winnipeg. Hi, my name is Janelle Shaw. My pronouns are she, her. I live with mental illness and chronic illness, and I'm a visual artist. Janelle, welcome to Accessing Art with Amy. I'm really pleased and proud to have you on the episode today. So, you know, we we learned a little bit about you in terms of your your disability, but before we jump into your artistry, maybe you want to share a bit about who you are and your background. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been an artist ever since I was very young. Uh, it's something that I've, I was always drawn to, and especially during my teen years and my early 20s when I was really dealing with some severe mental illness, art was really something that grounded me um, that helped me break out of my depression and help to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then because of my interest in the arts and my own uh, disability, I took my master's in disability studies at the University of Manitoba, where I wrote my dissertation on um, the empowerment of art for, for folks with mental illness. And I did that by reviewing my own experiences. And then after graduating, I started work with Arts Accessibility Network Manitoba as the executive director, and I continue to do my art practice on the side. Oh, that's so cool. And I mean, I think I think what's interesting about what you just shared is this idea of, and I think it's something that will resonate with other artists, but other guests that listen to the podcast certainly resonates with me, but the impact that art can have on a human being when they are finding themselves in, I don't know, times of, of difficulty or trying to navigate something new uh, or even just trying to navigate a part of their life that has been with them forever. Right. But it's like, how do I, what is my creative outlet? Absolutely. You know, I remember very vividly the first time that I was um, committed to the hospital. Um, I hadn't really, my depression was so bad. I hadn't touched any art supplies. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first night that I was in hospital, you know, getting settled in and all that, I walked around the kind of public area and I came across the art supplies. And for me, it was a bit of a coming home because I knew this was a safe place because they had that art supplies there. Right. Um, yeah. And it, you know, I would end up, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I can't help myself. Even when I'm in a situation where I need help, I just can't help but help others. So we would, me and the other um, individuals who were in the hospital together, we would have our own little art classes and we would, you know, try different styles and really kind of, we, in a way, created our own, you know, art therapy class without the therapy and just a way to kind of support each other and um, recognize ability in each other, which was so powerful. Right. Because I would imagine that, as you said, you're, you're, you're kind of peers in this environment together, right? Mm-hmm. You're all going through something that you can maybe support each other with. And 
I don't know. I find this beauty in community. Um, like when I, when I lost my sight, um, I connected with other blind folks and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Right. Like it changes your mind when you find your people. Um, and in terms of, of how you look at yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, I mean, I started, um, I, I, you know, I didn't tell anyone I had mental illness. Um, that was something right. I kept very close to my chest. You know, I was working in the childcare industry at the time and mental illness and childcare doesn't really. Right. <sighs> Stigmatization, know, I, right. Oh my gosh. Are you safe yeah. around my children? That stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So it was something that, you know, I shared with my immediate boss, mm-hmm. um, but not with anyone else because I, I and I mean, the thing was, I wasn't a, a danger to the children at all. Um, mm. But I didn't want that stigma to get the, you know, to have parents to have the wrong impression of me. So I right. kept it very close to my chest. But then I became the first student intern at the Mentoring Artists for Women's Art. And I really saw how welcoming the art community was. And then through them, I met uh, Arts Accessibility Network Manitoba and started working with them. And that's when I really found my tribe. You know, I found my family. These are other artists who were proudly saying they had disability. I never encountered anyone who proudly stated that before. And so it really showed me that it was possible and it wasn't something to be ashamed of that, you know, there, while there were some, of course, downsides to living with mental illness, there were a lot of positives um, that, that I didn't see before that, um, you know, made me realize how this has shaped my life and shaped me into a better person. Um, Yeah. Again, that idea of community, right? Oh yes, So strong. So, you know, you find community around disability, but you also found community around the arts. So yes. tell us what kind of artist, uh, you know, you're a visual artist. What does that mean to you? Because for me, I think visual artists could be a lot of different things. Right. Well, I kind of consider myself a jack of all trades, master of none. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have always been very crafty and whatever I had on hand to create art, I would. So I've you know, and my medium is constantly changing. So I've done, you know, acrylic and oil and pencil and sculpture and fiber arts and macrame. Um, but really what I've been doing now is ceramics. Um, right. And I think I've really found my niche there. There's something about the tactility of playing with clay that just really speaks to me. And the idea of taking a lump of clay and turning it into something usable is, is just something that I find so wonderful. Can you, I, so I've never done ceramics myself. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think back to the, the movie ghost with the unchained yes. melody song and the romantic scene around making the pottery on the pottery wheel. But for you, what's that process like when you take a lump of clay, do you think to yourself, Oh, I know what this is going to be. Or do you just let your fingers guide you? What's that process like for you? Right. So I usually have a somewhat a picture in my mind. Sometimes I'll draw out a sketch of what I want to kind of make it uh, relate to that. But yeah, it's just trial and error for a lot of it. And for me, you know, it's, I, it's, it's very concentrated bursts of activity. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I have chronic illness, one of my things is fibromyalgia, as well as uh, some chronic back issues. So I can't actually be at the wheel for long periods of time, usually about two hours is my max. Right. Um, so during those two hours, you know, I really try to put it, push everything in, try to go quickly while still trying to keep the quality. But it's it's just something that takes me out of myself. So while it does cause, you know, some bodily pain, the mental break it gives me is mm-hmm. just 
um, yeah, it's just wonderful. It's just so neat to what you can do with um, something that comes from the earth, you know, just shaping it and slowly over time kind of revealing that shape. Yeah, it's just very appealing to me. So if you've got like your own personal time allotment mm -hmm. to do the art, I totally get that because I do the same yes. thing when I start with a project. I think, can I finish this project in the time that I have to right. do it? Because I'm also a beater. So I do a lot of beaded jewelry and things like that. So it's uh, it's one of those things. Do I want to start something and not be able to finish it? And if I can't right. finish it, what do I do with this unfinished you know, string of beads that could it could fall all over the floor. Um, so when you think, when I think about, you know, you saying that you have about two hours at your pottery wheel, um, yeah. do you find that that is a sufficient time to finish a project or do you like build yeah. pieces of it and, and you know, I continue to, I, cause I don't even know with clay, if you can build right. one piece of it out of ceramic and then let that, you know, dry or cure or whatever, and then add another piece to it. You can. So the process is usually you, you know, you would throw, say, like the body of a mug without the handle or anything on the wheel. Right. Um, and then that has to dry for a few hours to get a little bit what they call leather hard. Mm -hmm. And then once it's at that state, that's where you can trim it, refine it, put the handle on. And then it has to sit for a longer for a little bit more time to become what they call bone dry. And then once it's bone dry, that's when you can add your underglazes or just do the first firing, which is a lower firing, to kind of harden the material. And then you put your glazes on and then fire it again. So clay is really kind of like, it's not a one-day process, right. which really kind of works with me um, because it's kind of like in stages, right? Uh, and even if you throw something on the wheel and, you know, you, okay, I need to take a break, I'm not done, you can spray it down really well, wrap it up really well, and come back the next day and it'll still be soft. So it's really a medium that kind of allows you to take time with it and um, to have those breaks kind of built into the process. Um, so, yeah, so I find that um, that really helps to kind of allow me to do these focus sessions instead of eight hours at once, right? Yeah, of course. And of course, mm -hmm. you're working as an executive director full time, too. So yes. <laughs> you got you to ma manage your time and, and your stamina in all sorts of ways. Absolutely. What are some of the things that you've created out of pottery, Janelle? Oh, well, uh, my favorite is mugs. So I do a lot of mugs, but all my mugs are unique. I don't do any yet that are the same. I like to play with the handles, the shape of the mug. Um, you know, I've done hot mugs or, you know, weird shapes um, yeah. or uh, different messages on the outside or inside, playing with adding shapes afterwards to the clay to kind of do like a 2D image playing with glazes. Uh, recently, I learned how to make teapots on Ooh. the wheel, which was very exciting. So I had my first teapot that I made. Yeah, I'm a big tea drinker. So I love to make mugs and I love to gift mugs. Um, so that's a, if you're a friend of mine, chances are you will <laughs> get a mug at some point in your life. <laughs> so I, I mean, that was one of my next questions is, is that right. I always wonder about artists in terms of you know, I get asked this a lot with my jewelry, which is mm -hmm. what do you do with it when it's done? Right. And I don't wear a lot of jewelry personally. Um, yes. So it usually goes in, you know, my my version of a tickle trunk or a showcase yep. and I take it to festivals and things like that. But uh, uh, it, I end up stockpiling stuff that I make, which doesn't give right. you a return. And 
as we know, not every artist needs a return on their artwork yeah. in, terms, in terms of financial. So do you sell your clay or is it really just for you to have an outlet and then you're going to gift it to the world? Yeah, that's a- exactly it. You know, I um, my career is an arts is an arts administrator. That's what pays the bills. That's what mm-hmm. I spend my majority of my time on. So mm-hmm. when I do my art practice, I don't want to have to worry about the business side of it. Now, if I wasn't working as an administrator, then and I had full time to work on my art practice, you know, I would sell my artwork. Right. Um, but because for me, it's more of an outlet and a creative outlet and a way to express myself. I just, I really enjoy giving it away because that gives me the opportunity to make more pieces and to refine my practice. For me, the joy is in the making of the piece. Yeah. Um, And that's where I find my joy. So if I'm able to gift somebody a piece, that means I got more space to create more. Yeah. So I just basically just make it to to give out and yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't sell it. (laughs) Have you got, have you got a favorite piece that you've made that you want to share with us? Yes, I do. So I'm a big fan of Vincent Van Gogh. Mm, yes. Um, he's, yes. So he's, uh, he's a favorite artist of mine. Um, so I recently made a mug kind of based on one of his famous paintings, um, Starry Nights. No, so well. yes. Yeah, so it's a, it's a tea mug. Uh, it's a, yeah, a mug for tea that has um, the glaze in the background is a very, different blues and kind of swirly. So it kind of has that feeling of the, the starry night with uh, yellow stars all over. Uh, the inside is yellow. It has also has a, a little spoon that comes with it and a hmm. little coaster, all kind of in those matching colors. And yeah, and then in the bottom of the cup, I stamped in sweet dreams because for me, that image is kind of like a dreamy right before bed is something that I imagine, hoping that it will come into my dreams with me when I sleep. Right. Yeah. Have a nice cup of soothing chamomile tea before exactly. you dripped off into slumberland. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's lo- my favorite. I love that. Mm-hmm. Big fan of Vincent van Gogh. Have you ever had a chance yes. to go to uh, the museum in Amsterdam? Uh, no, but I have been to the Louvre and I have seen some of his, his artwork there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough to go there. But no, I never got to see his place. I did go to Amsterdam, but I did not see his artwork there. Hmm, I, I missed out. I <laughs> Highly recommended if you ever get back. Right, um, yes. Yeah, highly recommended. They've got a really great audio tour as well. It's not oh. a described tour, mm-hmm. but it is an audio guide tour. And um, when I went with my mother in 2019, they have a small accessibility area. So it's, it's, it's around one of his famous paintings. So it's not all of them. It's just one, the sunflowers. But he, uh, so they've set it up with uh, Braille information, with large print information, with a reproduction of the painting, which is made with tactile paint. So you can feel the shapes of stuff, uh, like the sunflowers and the vase and that kind of thing. And uh, a little scent box so you can smell. So they've done this sort of multi-sensory thing around this. And then there's a 3D printer kind of cutout sort of kind of it's flat but it's got raised edges of the outside of the lines so you can trace those with your fingers and feel the shape of the flowers and that kind of stuff so because you are working as an arts administrator around accessibility yes uh, might be something that if you ever get a chance to visit I would recommend absolutely yeah that sounds so interesting so let me ask you again about about pottery um because again not not something I do ceramics (laughs) Not yet. I'll say yet because I always yes. say I'm an artist of opportunity. So I'm like mm-hmm. you. I will try anything and everything. Um, but I'm curious about 
you know, there's all those little uh, ceramic shops that are around where you can take something off the shelf that's pre pre-made and then you paint it and they, you know, cure that. So what kind of, I don't know, first, where are you doing the ceramics and what kind of uh, equipment do you need? You know, if somebody's like, oh, I want to give this a try. Well, I'm in at a really great place. It's called the Edge Gallery in Ceramics. Uh, it's here in Winnipeg. Uh, in the uh, downtown exchange district. And it's a really great studio. Um, all the equipment's there that you need. So they have wheels, they have the different little hand tools that you need to make your marks and to smooth out things. They also have three kilns, all the glazes and underglazes that you could wish for. Um, so it's a really wonderful, all the equipment's there in the space. Um, but the best part about it is the community that mm -hmm. is created in that space. You know, um, I've met some of my best friends through this, this, this organization, this, this, uh, studio, you know, everyone, we all get together, we sit around a table, we make our art and we help each other. So those who are more experienced give tips to the ones who are newer, um, and it's just such a lovely environment to grow and to create that community. Yeah, so I feel very thankful to uh, have found that space. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but, you know, folks can do it at home if they want to with, you know, a little pottery wheel and a little kiln that they work themselves. So it's definitely something you can do at home, but, it, it, it you know, it gets a little expensive because of all the equipment needed. So I feel very lucky to work at the studio that provides all that for you. So really all you need to do is purchase your clay or do you pay yep. like a membership fee and no, the clay you have to purchase. Yeah. 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 So okay. You buy your clay and everything you need. So, and I bet they even sell you the clay when you arrive. Absolutely. So you don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> you got it. That's right. Mm -hmm. How many, how many times a week would you say you, you jump into the pottery studio or is it really just uh, when you feel the need to have an outlet? I usually go about three or four times a week. Mm. Um, I find it really decompressing after work. You know, I spend all this time when I'm at work concentrated on other people's art practice and supporting right. their art practice, which is something I'm very passionate about. But it's nice to take, you know, an hour or two after work and just kind of decompress and focus on me and, and my art practice. Um, yeah, That's so I, I fairly often. <laughs> That's exactly the kind of decompression that would jive with me as opposed to going yes. to the gym and, and, and mm. doing a workout. <laughs> yeah, see, I can't go to the gym and do the workout yeah. because of my fibro. Um, swimming is about the only activity I can do that doesn't cause me pain. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so ceramics is my decompression. And work, and on the wheel, I tell you, it is a workout. To, I bet. Because <laughs> sometimes the clay doesn't listen, so you really have to kind of push it around and boss it and make it listen to you. Well, and you know, just, just, just a few minutes earlier, we were talking about the, um, the time, you know, mm -hmm. the, the time allotment that you spend. Yes. Um, are there, were there any other barriers that you encountered Janelle in, in working with ceramics, um, and, and navigating your disability other than this idea of what you just shared, which is that sometimes it can cause you pain or sometimes yeah. you're at a high level of pain already. And you just, you, right. you need to like refocus your brain on something. Well, for me, my mental illness plays quite uh, quite a lot into it. Yeah. Um, so I have a certain amount of time during a day where I can be with other people. And then I right. need to be by myself. That's just uh, who I am. So sometimes if I've had a really busy day meeting a lot of people, going to the studio, 
can or cannot work for me. So if I go there and nobody's there, then it's kind of nice because I, mm-hmm. I can still do my art and I'm not spending that extra um, energy trying to interact with folks. And sometimes I go there and there's a lot of people and, you know, I say, okay, well, you know what? I'm just going to stay for half an hour. Then I need to leave because um, that's just too much interaction for me. Um, so that plays a part in it too, right? Is um, how I'm feeling mentally. Yeah. So, I mean, but th- that's really the only real big barriers for me is what's my mindset set and how much physical uh, endurance can I take? Right. And that just really yeah. comes with with knowing who you are, knowing, you know, Absolutely. understanding the nature of your, your disability. Those things are really important. Right, right. Because for me, I, well, uh, one of my diagnoses is borderline personality disorder. And one of the characteristics of that is someone who is very sensitive and is very empathic. So a lot of times when I'm with other people, I take on their energy. I take on their pain. Right which makes me really great administrator because I can really, you know, understand others and put myself in their place. But it also zaps my energy quite a bit when I, especially if I'm around someone who's high energy, because I tend to match that energy and then it really exhausts me afterwards. Um, So that's exactly a case of where my, um, you know, my disability can be a positive and a negative. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So it's something that I really have to be cognizant of because sometimes I don't realize how much energy I'm expending until I get home and I'm just exhausted and can't even make dinner. Yeah, Um, absolutely. You can't take care of your own, your own, uh, your own needs. Yeah. And that's something you have to learn right throughout the years, how much, how to navigate that. I think that's, you know, you're absolutely right. That's the curve that that anybody with a disability acquired or, you know, from birth. Yep needs to figure out for themselves. But some of these yes. avenues, like you say, the, the artistic practices that people can uh, get involved in can really help you to, um, I guess, f- dig deep and find some things about yourself. Right. Is there something in particular during the process of, of just being an artist, Janelle, that you've learned about yourself? Oh, well, I've learned, well, especially with the clay, it's really taught me how, tactile I am and how much I need tactile sensations Mm. in my life you know I've always enjoyed like washing dishes but never really thought about what it is about (laughs) washing dishes (laughs) that I if you want to wash dishes come over to my place (laughs) my friend there's no shortage (laughs) oh don't worry I I live with my brother and I do all his dishes too (laughs) but it's the water it's that sensation of the water of the bubbles that really relaxes me. And so I've kind of taken that into my ceramics practice where the tactile nature of clay and the different feelings of each clay and what it feels like when it dries is something that really speaks to me. Um, Yeah. So I just, it was something that I learned that I need tactile sensations in my life. So that's something I only realized within like the last few months, just because I just started ceramics uh, within the last year. Um, yeah, it just, and it's such an odd thing to discover about yourself that that's one of the senses that needs stimulating with me is my, my sense of touch. And I don't think it's an odd thing. You know, I discovered about myself and and this is not necessarily wearing an artist's hat, Mm -hmm. but when I lost my sight, I, I realized how, what a visual learner I was and that being an Uh. auditory learner was so hard for me. And it's still hard. You know, right. if, I, if I want to listen to an audiobook or read an instruction manual with my, with my screen reader, 
I have to listen to that several times before I actually am able to comprehend it because I'm not, I was always a visual learner. And so still, just because mm-hmm. I don't have my sight doesn't mean that that changes, right? Yeah. So very, thank you for sharing that, Janelle. It's a very uh, an interesting journey in terms of navigating art and disability and using those uh, artistic practices to enhance your life in any way. Um, Absolutely. And really the intersection of art and disability is where I found my path in life. Yeah. Um, yeah. What would you say to folks who are on the fence about, you know, giving art a try? Cause I hear a lot from folks with disabilities that say yeah. things like, Oh, I'm not an artist. I never thought about being an artist. And it's like, well, you don't know. So what would you, what advice would you give since you work with a lot of artists with disabilities? Right. Well, that's such a tough one. You know, even folks who are artists have a hard time saying I'm an artist. Right. So I would, <laughs> so I would say do it. You know, the whole point for me of art is to take something that's in your mind and put it into something visual or tactile or just, it's just another way to communicate for me. Um, and so I would definitely encourage people to try art because it's something that Everyone can do. You don't have to be good at it. I mean, you have to be good at it to perhaps make a career out of it. But, you know, it's something that can bring people joy. And, um, you know, we have a lot of artists who didn't realize how great their art is. Um, So I would encourage people to share your art. You know, people want to see what you're creating because it really tells them who you are, what your story is. Oh, I love that. Um, I'm always always encouraging people to give art a try because like yes. you said you don't have to be good at it and just you know as I think we all know there's plenty of abstract artists out there where we're like what is this that are selling their works for thousands of dollars so um, this idea of being a classically trained whatever is kind of you know doesn't really apply today anymore no no not at all and I mean especially for artists with disabilities because they have so many barriers when it comes to education right is the space accessible um is there too many chemicals being used Mm -hmm. um you know those can I afford it can I afford it yes absolutely right like you know can I afford to pay for ASL since the school won't or you know just little things like that um but art's one of those few things that you can do with no training you know and that you can really teach yourself how to do art just through the re- repetitive tasks and, and, and trying and trying. Yeah. And I really think art is for the people, you know, it's what we need to learn who we are and how to communicate that to others. You know, Janelle, as our mixed bag music mm-hmm. is just playing, it's a great, that was a great space to end. So I'm going to okay. transition now into asking you a couple of questions and this is like rapid fire. So First thing that comes to your head. Now, I know in Winnipeg, you all have been living with a little bit of a heat wave recently. What is something that you do to uh, to chill out when it's hot? Oh, well, I sweat all summer long. So one of the things that I do is I put um, a magic bag. It's one of those bags filled with rice or some beans, and I keep it in the freezer, and I throw it over my neck. That's what I Ooh. do. Cool. I'm going to do that as we're promo- pr- promoting, I'm saying promoting, as we're getting ready for uh, yes. a, a hot, some hot weather here in Vancouver. So I'm going to mm-hmm. give that one a try. Um, next question for you, Janelle, is uh, what's a favorite book that you've been reading lately? Ooh, that's such a good one. I have so- Well, actually, right now I'm reading um, H.G. Wells' A Short History of the World. 
which is very interesting because it was written in, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s. So it's really written from a patriarchal white European point of view. So it's really interesting to see what people thought back then and what's being uh, left out of the story of the, the history of the world. Huh, right on. Mm-hmm. Sounds yeah. like I have to add that to my reading list. Janelle, such a pleasure to have you on the program. If folks want to reach out to you and learn a little bit more about who you are, the kind of art that you do, where would they find you? Right. So I don't really have any websites or anything like that, because um, as I mentioned, I'm not uh, a working artist, but um, I'm happy to connect with folks. They can uh, send me an email at slyph30 at hotmail.com. Awesome. Thank you, Janelle, so much for joining us on Accessing Art with Amy. Maybe one day I'll get a mug. (laughs) Absolutely. I'll have to mail it out to you. And before we say goodbye, here's the quote of the day by Susan Halls. Don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Let the impetus to create and play inspire and guide you as you work. Thanks for listening to Accessing Art with Amy. This podcast is produced by me, Amy Amanti. Technical production by Jacob Shemansky. And the manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. If you'd like to reach out to the show for any reason, you can email us at feedback at ami.ca or call us by telephone at 1-866-509-4545. Thanks again to my guest today, Janelle Shaw. Keep exploring. See you next time. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.